are you too? You're awake. I know, it's been a while, but I got a backlog of quests we need to talk about in the tavern. Like Wonder Woman having a brother, how did that happen? And also we're going to go to a trash fire because of Star Trek and how people are wrong. Because they're not really Trekkie. Not because they like Star Wars though. I'll explain it all when we get to the tavern. Come on, let's roll. Hey, player two! Decided to join us. <laughs> I know, I'm really late. Don't rub it in. Just sit down, let's start. Already got the stuff off the notice board. First order of business, Wonder Woman's brother is getting his own comic book arc. And let me tell you why that's a cauldron of backspasms and poltergeists. Wonder Woman is easily DC's most marketable character right now. So their arc, their big sell, is a dude. Dude characters are great. I like them. Most of my favourites are dude characters. But really? Here's an idea, DC. Make a Wonder Woman arc that is literally about any of the hundreds of other Amazons on Paradise Island. Or make an arc about Nubia. I want to know more about Nubia. You could even get really out there, hire creators of colour to tell her story, because there's a ton of talented people out there who could. And I know it's extreme, but maybe this representing everyone thing? Maybe it's not only the right thing to do, which it totally is, but it's incredibly lucrative. And it is incredibly lucrative. That idea that I had was a freebie. If you want more like that, I'm available for hire. But watch it, because I'm going to offer some premium gold to Netflix very shortly. So snap me up. Was I play 2 Tokyo Ghoul? Yeah, I know. Have you seen the trailers for it? So the Tokyo Ghoul anime and manga is now being turned into a live action. That's what we call it when it's people acting and not animated people acting. Tokyo Ghoul is set in a world where humans like you and ghouls, creatures that appear human but feed on human, exist together, the way sheep and wolves exist together. Ghouls have special abilities as far as healing and physiological benefits that help them to defend or attack, read big super cool shields and or blades, and they will mess you up up. There's so much blood in this series. The humans are aware of the ghouls, so there's a special police task force with the sole purpose of dealing with them. Anyway, this kid Kaneki finds himself with a foot in each world when he gets ghoul parts put inside him after a terrible accident. I guess that means that ghouls are technically organ donors too? Which means if you're not an organ donor in that world, you're actually worse than a ghoul whose moral baseline is somewhere below it's okay to hunt and eat people. The anime is breathtakingly beautiful. If you love horror anime and you've got a thing for gore, it's everything you want. And that opening song in series one, just... <sighs> As for the live action, look, live actions don't always have the best rep, but I'm telling you right now that live actions have improved in recent years. Except for Erased, that was kind of bad. But other than that, the Death Note movies and even the J-drama, which, by the way, you'll recognise one of the actors from the J-drama in this new Tokyo Ghoul movie, uh, as the gods will, and even to an extent, Assassination Classroom live action, have been good adaptations. And I will fight you if you say different. I mean, I won't physically fight you, because I'd win and that would be sad for you. Here's something that'll make you happy, though. DC Metal Dark Days Forge has arrived. I read it but I still have no idea what's going on in it. I just know it's something to do with metal, and I think there's some interdimensional stuff happening, and there are Green Lanterns, and that's cool. It's written by Scott Snyder and James Tinian IV, but there's a whole 
team on this. My unexpected favourite part though is the lettering. Steve Wands has nailed it for capturing tone and hints of what's to come. It's very clever. I don't know how this is going to play out for standard Batman fans. It could be taking us places we'd rather not go. I mean, if you want stock standard Batman, this may not be for you. But I've been saying for ages now that the age of superheroes is dying and sci-fi is about to emerge and this can give us both. So I'll run with it for now. Ooh. Also, World of Wakanda, that's out in trade. This one was written by Roxanne Gay, and I found it to be an exceptional introduction to the world of Black Panther without really spoiling much about who Black Panther is. Wakanda, if you haven't seen the Black Panther trailer, because why do you live under rocks, is where Black Panther is from. But the World of Wakanda arc tells the story of the Dora Melage, who are basically the bodyguards of the King of Wakanda, but could also end up as one of his wives. Whets the appetite for kind of getting into the world? And as Pride is almost about to finish, I say pick this up and or donate it to a place that needs to read this kind of love story. And it's a love story. Fair bit of violence in there too, just warning you. And finally, oh look at that, Netflix cancelled something again, I'm surprised. This time Girl Boss, which is, is that sad? Am I meant to feel sad about that? I don't know. I was told it should appeal to me, but the trailer makes it look like she's a terrible person who lucks into success, and that just does not hit for me. Maybe it's wonderful, though, and maybe they made a mistake. Hey, here's an idea. Instead of bringing back a second season of 13 Reasons Why, which I think works perfectly as a standalone story, maybe they just bring back Sense8, or make a movie of Sense8. <laughs> and Girlboss 2, I guess, if they've got money left over. I just think Sense8 would be the more superior thing. Or they could do a spin-off of Mike and Chuck from Designated Survivor. For some reason they might have to live together because government stuff and they go on assignments all the time and it turns out Mike is the one who goes to conventions dressed like, like a Vulcan or whatever and Chuck is all you total nerd and also one of them has a pet ferret so you know it's going to be family friendly. The CEO of Netflix did say they need to have a higher cancel rate overall and I think with ideas like that I can help. Netflix, feel free to hire me anytime. I'm open to traveling for work. And finally, E3 happened like a week ago. That was nice. You know what would have been nicer? If people could stop telling me that a game is coming out in summer 2020. Who's summer? My summer? That's December. It's it's freezing here right now. I don't, I don't know seasons. Help me old Ben Kenobi. I don't know how this works. Speaking of things that people say is like Star Wars, but not... Let's go somewhere a little bit warmer, shall we? We're at the trash fire, which makes me sad because all I wanted to do was talk about Star Trek Discovery and how, as a Trekkie, I look forward to simultaneously hating it because it will never compare to my nostalgia-soaked memories of every series that comes before it, and also loving it because it's Star Trek. Also, I like to hate things, so it was really a triple threat for me. Star Trek Discovery looks like it's gonna hit. It is a prequel of sorts and there's gonna be armor and the captain looks super upset in all the pictures of him. There's gonna be Vulcans and they're gonna break a long running Star Trek rule. At first I thought they were talking about the Prime Directive style rules but no this is the one where apparently members of Starfleet aren't meant to have plots where they argue which is fine, but some of my favourite episodes of Star Trek is when two characters have thrown down, so I'm looking forward to more of that, especially if someone's going to throw down with the Vulcans, because when the Vulcans fight someone, they almost always win, because who needs protein now, am I right? 
Oh, and my super favourite thing about all of this is the diverse casting, or as I like to call it, casting. And if you're a real Trekkie, then you understand this is par for the course. If not, this is why we're at the trash fire. Because if you're a real Trekkie and the casting of people who aren't just white people upsets you in Star Trek, baby, you better buckle in because you haven't been paying attention and life is about to come at you fast. Star Trek, and it's had its flaws, I won't deny that for a second, has never catered to your needs if your needs include only ever seeing people like you on the screen. It featured the first televised interracial kiss. It had a number of people of colour in positions of authority. Hell, did you miss Deep Space Nine? Because I miss Deep Space Nine. The entire premise of the Prime Directive was to not repeat the mistakes and sins of the past when it comes to the colonisation of other cultures, no matter how well-meaning and evolved we think we are. Before we broke warp speed and were deemed appropriate to visit by the Vulcans, World War III had broken out on Earth due to eugenics, a war that all but destroyed Earth, and we were on the brink. And this time was considered generally a bad thing by literally every other human who was left. It was not our finest hour to be fighting about that. And whenever slavery or past conflicts based on might over right were brought up, guess who was remembered favourably? Not the racists. And that's just when it comes down to race in Star Trek. Issues of gender, sexuality and food politics are all brought into play. So if you're the kind of person who doesn't think identity politics should be a thing, that's fine. You can think that. No one is stopping you from thinking those things. But don't come to my sector with your broken thruster arguments and distress signals demanding you get to be beamed aboard my USS fandom. No. Away team yourself somewhere barren. Get in the trash fire. The rest of us are going to go talk about video games. Come on, play too. Play too. This is an obstacle course designed to help us with our teamwork. I brought us here because crossplay has been the biggest thing that everyone's been talking about as far as gaming is concerned, and I just know you want to hear what I have to say about it. You do the obstacle course, and I'll tell you what I think about crossplay. Crossplay is the term we give to being able to play across the different ways that you can play. So being able to play everyone despite what you're playing on, you know? Firstly, I think this just needs to happen, but I need to rewind for a moment so I can be clear, I can be crystal with this. I don't want to play games with other people. There's been an idea pushed at the last few E3s, like everyone drunk the Kool-Aid, and like always, I showed up early and ended up in the kitchen debating the politics of me handling the caviar instead of just joining in. But if I wanted to socialise with people who weren't NPCs, I wouldn't play video games. I'm not addicted to dating sims because my love life is working out. I'm not immersed in Witcher, Fallout and Elder Scrolls universes because I can deal with the real world interactions on a daily basis. And I'm not yelling blam 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 as I play the Deadpool games because I found a healthy way to deal with my rage. I know it's a stereotype, but just believe me when I tell you that one of the genuine perks of playing video games is the lack of actual people I have to deal with. So, no. I don't want to play with my friends, of whom I have very few and even less who play video games. Why? Because I like the people who are my friends and I'll drive them away or begin to hate them if we play video games together, because I will either be much better than them and angry at their incompetence, or I'll be incompetent and, you know, vice versa. I'm not saying there's not a place for interaction in video games. I played well. I like Overwatch, but I've also sat there while a rogue's been slaughtered by ads because they pulled the mob when I told them I wasn't ready for them to pull the mob, so then I didn't heal them. Having said that, we do need crossplay. It's just the way geekery's moving, even if I hate it. Used to be we're all in our little tribes of geekery. 
Xbox versus PlayStation, PC versus the rest of us, Marvel versus DC, comic books versus cartoons, cartoons versus anime. But that's changed now and for the better. For instance, in comic books you can like Marvel and DC, even though DC is obviously better. But seriously, with the marketplace expanding, it's not just DC and Marvel anymore. There's Image, there's Valiant, there's Dark Horse. Same goes for video games, and Sony and Microsoft can get with that, or they can choose not to. But eventually, if they don't, it's going to be their undoing. Our community is opening up. The lines that once divided us and kept us safe in our boxes have ruptured, and we're bleeding into each other's spaces. Don't get me wrong, I do think it's scary, and a large part of me hates it. But it's how the future's going. We're no longer beholden to what tribe we assign ourselves. I've got a PS4, and no, I don't want to be friends with you on it. My friends have Xbox Ones. By that I mean one of my friends has an Xbox One. I would love to play The Division and Overwatch with them, but there's no crossplay. So guess what? I didn't buy The Division. Right now, that doesn't really hurt profits, though I can see how it's putting a serious dampener on initial profits and any extras they get by selling DLCs. But do you know what will hurt profits? When the crossplay gets kicked across the goalpost and they're still back in the left field fumbling for the ball. I think that's a sports analogy. I don't... I don't really sport. Am I like hockey? That seems like the right amount of violence for me. Either way, Sony and Microsoft need to work this out, or another company will provide the crossplay that will give us what we want, will come on the market, and we'll go with them. It is in their interest to get on board with this, both of them. Or they'll see what actually matters to them go away. It starts with P, but it's not players, it's profits. And I know, I know, Sony are concerned about their players, and that's a nice sentiment, but come on now. You're giving us Death Stranding, you can give us security features to help us deal with trolls on the Microsoft side. And there's no, that will never happen anymore. Anyone out there telling you we have to just accept crossplay will never be a thing because technology, software, gaming politics. That's a lie we could believe a few decades ago, but there are self-driving cars now and I can download an app to order pizza and a drone can deliver it. The it can't happen defense just won't stack up. Do better. We're going to find someone who can, and so will developers. Developers like Ubisoft, Bethesda, Insomniac, they want us to play their games, and we want to play them. Console exclusives sure make me feel special, but I guarantee if you're a console where I can play with people I don't utterly hate, in a world I love, I'm going with you. As long as you let me block my friends so that they don't see when I'm online sometimes, because it's just, I just don't want to be around them much. And console exclusives are wonderful, but I went with PlayStation because a few E3s ago they made me believe they were for the players. So Sony had best listen up now because the players are calling for cross-play. We are no longer divided, and I hope the companies get that. And again, no, I'm not adding you on PlayStation Network. I don't even want to be friends with my friends on there. So, no, player two. Are you done with that? You look stuck in that tire. Come on, we've, we've got to go. I've got to talk to you about my favourite thing that has happened in Geekery just recently. Come on, get down from there. I don't know. Is your leg stuck? Do you need your leg? Because I could, I could chop it off. I've got a sword. No, you're right? Okay, but just hurry. We're in the Aussie bush, player two. In Land of Pod, but also the Aussie bush. And the reason we're here to talk about Clever Man and Australians in Geekery. It's not often I get to talk about Australian things in the land of pod. I wish I could talk about them more, but these days, if you're talking comic books or movies or video games, they all have that American wash over it, mainly, which is fine. But at the same time, it irks me that people have to have American accents a lot of the time, especially if they're the main character. Like, 
why can't John Boyega have a British accent in Star Wars? I know why it's because he's part of the rebels and traditionally the Empire is made up of people with British accents or Australian upper class, which is so close to British. Anyway, while the rebels are more stereotypically American and more markedly in recent movies, a mix of different accents. It's true. Run the numbers. Probably a better example, actually, though, is a fact that there's an American version of Kath and Kim, a show whose cornerstone of hilarity is a comment on Australian culture, so it doesn't make sense. But I'm getting away from myself. I'm so excited to talk to you about Clever Man, because as an Australian, it's been getting really rare to see Australian superheroes or geeky situations set in Australia. And I could tell you about the stuff I grew up with. That's for another time. Clever Man is a television series, and most recently a comic book about an Indigenous Australian superhero who's created by Ryan Griffin, who wanted an Aboriginal superhero for his son, and finding a serious lack of options, he created one. So let me set the scene for you. In the world of Clever Man, there are hairy people, or hairies. They're, you guessed it, hairy. They're stronger, have longer lifespans than humans, and they are considered a different species from humans, but they have a connection to Australian Aboriginal people. The Harrys know about Dreamtime and the culture and the land. Humans, read mainly the white humans, get scared, want them contained, and so get to doing just that. Then the clever man emerges. A superhero who can bring balance, who can right the wrongs. For Australians, at least for those of us who know a little bit about our history when it comes to the treatment of our first people, you can see the comparisons being made. Families are torn apart, authorities take children. At its core, though, Clever Man is about what most geeky stories centre around, that fear of other, and the way that fear is often used to make people justify doing things that they wouldn't normally agree to doing, the terrible things that we'll do just to be on top. If you enjoy the Marvel storylines of the mutants, which is the best example of these behaviours, I think, then you'll get into Clever Man. The really cool thing, though, is that the character Clever Man is based on a figure in Indigenous culture who acts as a connection between now and the dreaming. The Clever Man story mixes present-day politics, the history of Aboriginal people in Australia, with stories and cultures of those people. These stories, as a collective, are often referred to as the Dreamtime or the Dreaming, but each tribe, each nation of people, are unique with their stories and their languages. So Ryan Griffin had to find a way to mix present-day with about 60,000 years of culture. And he did it. And he's doing it again in comic book form. I can't put into words how much I love it. Dreaming and dream time are just there as words. That happens a lot and it's just nice, you know, to not be using someone else's lingo, to have that Australian backbone of a story. And even though this story wasn't written for me, I'm still super proud of seeing an Australian story be told, especially when it's told this well. There are other Australian Indigenous superheroes out there though, so after you've seen Clever Man or picked up the comic, and I will leave links so you can do that, you may have heard me mention Bishop. He's a mutant from Australia. He's part of the mutant police force in an alternate timeline. He's one of those anti-hero types. The kind of guy who doesn't get the privilege of being all good like Superman because he recognises that sometimes you have to do something terrible to stop something terrible. And while I don't think his grandmother is actually named, it has been heavily implied through her telling stories of him about mutants she used to work with that she might be a very well-known mutant. Storm. I, th I think his grandmother is Storm. 
he and Cable and Deadpool all end up facing off against each other during the Messiah arc. I think it's mainly in the Messiah War part of the arc where they all face off against one another fully. It's really one of the best introductions to all three characters, though it does tend to favour Cable and DP over Bishop. But Clever Man? <sighs> Clever Man beats Bishop because because he's an indigenous character by an indigenous creator. The series has a heap of our most talented actors in there, and the comic book holds up well. It goes with a more restricted palette, which, as I've said before, I'm not always a fan of, but in this sense, it hits home. I say pick it up, player two. I think you'll like it. Hey, and you might learn something more about Australia, right? Come on, let's get back to the tavern. Well, we're back in the tavern. You've got to go now. Goodbye, player two. Was that, how do you, well, I guess when you're in meat space, you can contact me on Twitter at ChaosKittyM. Say hi. I don't know what else you would say. Fight with me about Batman vs Superman, I guess, if you like being wrong. Um, ask me why I didn't mention the Transformers movie. It's because it's a Michael Bay movie. I'm not watching it. Oh, while you're in meat space, Remember to check out Clever Man, but also check out Glow on Netflix. It's really funny, but also really touching in like a nice way. A nice touching, I guess. Anyway, when you're in meat space, also share this podcast with people. Or don't. I'm not your boss. I wish I was your boss. I'd totally make you share this podcast with everyone. Then I'd become super rich and meet all my celebrity crushes, start a reverse harem, and uh, forget you, obviously, once I'm rich. I won't need to do this podcast anymore. Once I'm rich, I'll just pay my butler to listen to my views on geekery. Yeah. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>